I uh, titled this message, uh, When Nothing Makes Sense. When Nothing Makes Sense. Uh, the reason I titled it that, that way is, <laughs> I don't know about you, but I have been there where I knew I was doing everything that I felt like God is told me to do. I, I, I believe I've, I have. I'm trusting God and I'm believing God. I'm doing everything. I searched my life. God, am I doing something wrong? Uh, and you can't really find something, but there is possibly one area or more in your life that doesn't seem to go the way you believe it should go. I mean, if you've been there, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. You wonder what's wrong, what's going on. It seems like, God, where are you? What's really happening here? I know you are. I believe in you. I trust in you. Why, is, why am I going through this? Why is this happening to me? And sometimes you can even hear words from people who close. And it cuts really hard. I mean, you've been there. They don't mean to hurt you, but the words still hurt you so deeply you can't come out of it. He's not, you wonder, God, what's going on? You know not to get bitter. You don't, they don't understand what you're going through, and they didn't even mean to hurt you, but it's still very painful. And you go back to God, and you're saying, it doesn't make sense. What's going on? I'm obeying what you do. I'm doing what you called me to do. I'm obeying you the way, at the best I know how to obey you, but it's still not happening. And in the natural, when people look at it from the outside, well, and you must be, there must be something going on wrong. If not, things maybe they should go right. You've been there? Yeah. And you can't defend yourself, amen? You really can't defend yourself because everything that's happening to you is showing, indicating that something is really wrong. And if God is pleased with you, well, how come you're suffering in this area? Right? If you all haven't been there, you guys are great saints. I've been there. <laughs> it's really difficult to come out of it. You pray, you fast, and you do whatever you know to do. And, 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 and because it takes so long, and you're waiting for God to do something, and it's becoming so long, and you begin to slowly but surely give up, get discouraged believe that this is the way things have been it's been too long maybe things will never change when will my change come uh, if you feel that way you're not alone if you go into the old testament god made a promise to abraham and i believe he spoke to abraham in in genesis 12 and and made it clear to abraham that through you, the whole nations of the world, your, through your seed, the whole nations of the world will be blessed. I'm sure after hearing that, just like the rest of us, when God gives us a promise, we're thinking tomorrow is going to be happening and life's going to be great. How many of you have been there? It's, it's going to be wonderful tomorrow. And then you wake up tomorrow, it's him the darkest of all. And you're wondering if God really spoke to you or you spoke to yourself or heard yourself. Abraham felt that way. 
uh, after two or three more chapters, he had no son, and he started speaking to God. But the reason the message is, is when things like that happen to you, for encouragement, always go back to God. Amen? Tell him what he told you in, at the first. And guess what he does? He'll tell you again the same thing he told you before that's not happening. And it's not going to happen the next day. But he'll repeat himself again. But the good thing about it, when you leave his presence, you feel encouraged. Nothing has changed, but you feel encouraged. But God can never speak and his word will fall to the ground. He will accomplish it at his own time. Not your time. In his own time. In his own time. And when he does it, everyone will know this is God because he's going to be bigger than yourself. They'll be saying to you, we know you're not that smart. How did you get here? How did this happen? You say, it's the Lord. We know. We know it's the Lord because we know you. You're not that smart. He's going to be so big. They know you're smart, but not this much, you know, not as smart as this because this God has done it. So Abraham, God was saying to Abraham, and I'll read in Genesis 15. It says, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision saying, Do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. God said, I'm your reward. <laughs> See, just look at that. The way Abraham re replied, he said, I'm Abraham said to him, Lord, what will you give me, seeing I, have, I go childless? Well, God wasn't talking about a child. God was saying, I am your exceedingly great reward. The guy said, that's okay, but I need a child. Okay? I need a child. I go childless, and the heir of my house is this laser of Damascus. That's what Abraham believed. God is not going to this is God. This guy born in my house. He's going to be the heir. I have no one, no child. And through me, the whole nations of the earth will be blessed. And Abraham said to the Lord, Look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. He wasn't happy about that. He was very discouraged and happy with what was going on. God had given him a promise. He wasn't happening. So he told God, and you know what God did? God says, Come over here, son. Come, come. Look up. Can you count the stars? Those are your faces of your children. That's me speaking. <laughs> Those are the faces of your children. And God gave him back a promise. And the Bible, if you read in verse 6 of that, that chapter, it says Abraham believed God. At that point, God encouraged him. Nothing changed. God encouraged him. He says he believed God, and God counted it to him for Abraham as righteousness. That was Abraham's righteousness. Just because God, he believed the impossible. But no, God spoke to him. You know how long it took? God waited a few more years. He got to be 99 before this promise came to pass. But he believed God. So we don't want to get discouraged. And don't want to give up. And don't just lay back and say, what will be, will be. If you have that attitude, what will be, and no fight in you, God's going to let you be. Even when God is coming against you and he's, gonna, he's saying, I'm going to do this to you. This is exactly what's going to happen. If you take it lying down as a child of God, that's what you get. But I tell you, if you stay, tell God and you remind him of his promises, 
I know God's changed his mind before, right? God has. Did you know that? God changed his mind. God can change his mind. No, didn't we, we all know God is sovereign, right? And he can change his mind. And uh, something happened, if you read in scriptures, uh, about uh, Eli. You know the prophet Eli? His sons were acting bad. They were acting really, really bad. He was scared. He talked to them, but he couldn't get them to change. Maybe he wasn't forceful enough. I don't know. But he knew there was no way these boys would change. So he just let it be. And God sent the prophet to tell him, look, I'm going to kill two of your boys in one day because of what's going on. And I'm going to do something in Israel It's going to be really hard for the people to hear. He just laid back. He gave up. Discouraged. He wouldn't do anything. And then God spoke to Samuel. And what little Samuel, 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 and told Samuel what was going to happen. And Eli knew that, that it was God wanting to speak to Samuel and actually instructed Samuel on how to hear from God. He wasn't hearing from God, but he knew it was God because he had been there. And he instructed Samuel, this is what you do, and God will speak to you. And he knew God spoke to Samuel, but God was speaking to Samuel about himself, about him. And the next day he called Samuel, he said, look, you better tell me what God told you. And may God do, to you, do this to you and more also if you don't tell me. He said, okay, I'll let you know. I don't want that, Samuel said. I'll give it to you. And Samuel told him everything. The sad thing is this. First Samuel chapter 3, verse 18. Then Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. That was his response. God saying, I'm going to kill you, sons. He's the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. He resigned himself to it. And actually, his sons died on the same day. He didn't get angry. He didn't go back to his sons to say, look, God has told Samuel we're going to die. This is serious now. And some people will believe, well, God wouldn't have changed his mind. Well, I have seen situations where God changed his mind. In the scriptures, Old Testament, there was a story about Ahab. Ahab was in, in, in uh, Naboth's, I don't know if I'm pronouncing the word well, but that's the way we say it. <laughs> the vineyard, you know where he, they, they took, he took the vineyard? And God sent a prophet and prophesied to him. And Ahab knew it was bad. That was a wicked king. And he, he, he started repenting immediately. And God told the prophet, go back and say to him, I'm going to bring some relief for him. See how he humbled himself, God said? Ahab humbled himself before me. Go back and tell him some good news. And that's God for a wicked king that just killed somebody. That's the nature of our God. Even if, you've, if things are really bad and it's because of what you've done, things, and if you turn around because judgment is coming and you truly repent and call on God, he'll change everything. So we can never lose. God will always be there for you. You remember in, a, in the story of uh, Hezekiah? You can read that in, in um, Isaiah chapter 38. Uh, let's go to that scripture, please. Isaiah chapter 38. 
you know, Isaiah, the prophet, you know, he, he went to uh, Ezekiah and said, Ezekiah was sick and near death. And he went to Ezekiah and said, the Lord has said, get your house in order, you're going to die. That was a word from the Lord, right? From the holy God of Israel. Was that his will? Well, if he said it, that's his will, right? He wanted to get your house in order, you're going to die. But Ezekiah wouldn't take that. He started crying out to God. He spoke to God and said, God, remember, you know, I've done all of this in your name. I, yeah, I can't die now. I really don't want to die. And you know, in verse 5, oh, let me start from verse 4. Then the word of the Lord, verse 4, the word of the Lord came to Isaiah saying, Go and tell Ezekiah, thus says the Lord God of David, your father, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Surely I will add to your days 15 years. Very specific. God changed this man. Get your house in order. You're going to die. The guy cried out to God. And God says, go tell him. I mean, if you read in, 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 the, in uh, the Kings, he was actually, Isaiah was actually on his way. And God turned him around in the court. Go back. It didn't take too long for God to change his mind about Hezekiah. But the thing there is, I like this part where he says, Go tell Hezekiah, thus says the Lord, the God of David. Well, why not God of Abraham? Why God of David? You see, God had a covenant with David himself. Just like he had with Abraham. David lived under that covenant of Abraham. But God had a covenant with David. So God calls himself the God of David, not God of Abraham, because that's grand, great-grandson of David, God of David. Now, God also has a personal covenant with you through the Lord Jesus Christ. He's very powerful. He has a personal covenant with you and your family to be your defender, to be your provider, to be the one to take care of you as long as you live. Because you're so righteous and so good, no. Just because of his covenant. Amen? Just because of his covenant. And, and I believe he made, he said it this way, go and tell Ezekiel, the God of David, He's saying the reason for this is not just because of your tears. It's because I got a covenant with your daddy. Amen? I got a covenant. And when you cry, I hear. And so you have a covenant with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a special covenant. It's not a covenant of discouragement. It's a covenant of peace and prosperity. It's not a covenant of failure. It's a covenant that says, you know, regardless of what you're going through, if Jesus is still seated at the right hand of the Father, you'll make it. It's not a time to be discouraged. Discouragement is a tool from the enemy to take you out of your destiny. So, 
to prevent you from arriving at your destiny. And he uses it for every one of us. Why do we get discouraged? Did Jesus not say to us, be anxious for nothing? Right? He did say that to us, right? He says, don't be anxious for anything. Take no thought. Don't worry about this. God takes care of the fowls and takes care of the grass. Hey, you are more valuable than this. But we read all of that, but we still go into discouragement. Where is God? Have I been forgotten? Why is it not happening? I'm not just preaching to you. I'm preaching to myself as well. We're all in this thing together, right? <laughs> We're all in this. But we have to encourage ourselves in the Lord that we can never be forsaken. We can never be forgotten. If something is happening and it's taking time, that's because God is doing a big work. It's really big. He's got to get it together. So when he comes out, when he unveils it, it's something wonderful to behold. Amen? So we don't want to get discouraged. Another thing that we do is uh, we... uh, ask the word why is God allowing this why is God doing this to me or to us and I don't know why uh, we think when things are not going right that God is doing it or you know uh, God is doing something to us and something may be wrong yes but we have to put these scriptures together Because God doesn't change. He is very clear in his word. Those that the Father has given to me, right? No man can take them from my hands. The Father who gave them to me, he's he's greater than all, Jesus said. But then he also said, no one can come to me except my heavenly Father draws him. The only reason why you're with him, with Jesus, is because God drew you to himself. What he saw in you that's special, you go ask him. I don't know about that. (laughs) But you're special to him. He brought you to himself. And he's sworn that you will always be with him. He'll take care of you. So the one who is sworn to take care of you can never turn around and try to hurt you. That's my point. He's not part of it. He's not part of it. Now, Romans chapter 8, verse 31, If God be for us, who can be... Hey, help me get this. If God be for us, who can be against us? Well, if God be for us, the word is clear, God is for you. God cannot be for you and against you at the same time. God doesn't... It's not two-faced. God cannot be for you and against you. When the eternal word of God says, if God be for us, and you know God is for you, God will always be for you, regardless. He's always on your side. And if he allows something to come into your life, or if you're going through something, regardless of how long it takes, whether it's short or long, regardless of what's going on, if God is in your life, You are not going, he's not trying to put you down. What you are going through is a test, a trial, a test, a test of faith. Amen? He's just a test test of faith. If it's really long, it means this is a really huge test. 
And God is trying to see how you will respond to your test of faith because you are a faith being. When it's really confusing, doesn't make sense, you don't know how this is going to end, that's when it's really a trial of your faith. And who is behind the trial of your faith? God, why? For your promotion. For your promotion. He's not testing you to put you down. It's for your promotion. Because he's got to be sure that when he puts you in this new place, you'll be able to handle it. That's why I believe David went through all of his wilderness experiences. Running from place to place, feigning mad, crazy. Somebody who had been anointed to be king, now acting like a madman just to survive, begging for bread, remember? And the same David who said, you know, he, who, no child of God has ever begged for bread. <laughs> right? He's begging for bread, right? He wanted bread. But all of that was under God's plan. God was taking care of him. David wanted his own way, but God did it the other way. He got as much bread as he wanted. Amen? Not begging for it, giving to him freely. Amen? That's the way God does his things. He's never going to be against you. God is always on your side. And if you're going through something and a thought comes into your mind that says, maybe I've done something and God is fighting me, recognize who is speaking and believe the opposite. Amen? That's the time to shout, wow, I just got a new revelation. God is really working for me. Because the thought just went through your mind. And it came from the devil. And they don't walk together. Light and darkness, they're never together. I mean, a little light will whip darkness any day. Amen? So just get your little light and you're on your way for your victory. So it's so important to know God is not involved in it. And, and, and James, lets, he lets us know that. In James chapter 1, verse 2, it says, My brethren... Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Let me see you rejoicing Sunday morning. Pastor, I'm going through trouble and you're really dancing. I say, he's lost his mind. He's crazy. No That's the name. The way we respond in the natural. Pastor Andy, I got, two te- I got a testimony. They say, he says, it's a wonderful testimony. What is it? I'm having a lot of troubles this day. So I'm counting it all joy. Everybody put your yeah, This brother is crazy. <laughs> But that's what James is saying. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Rejoice when you are being tried. This is a good scripture, but I have I've hardly seen Christians obeying this scripture. <laughs> I, what I hear is complaints and whys and what's going on. And all. No, I haven't seen anyone rejoicing. Including me, amen. <laughs> we got to be truthful, right? I don't rejoice. I go on to find that God was going on. <laughs> but I want to fall into this category, amen. I want to do this. I want to do this and see what God does. But I can rejoice. Things are really difficult. You got something come in the mail and it says they are going to take, you know, they'll be foreclosing in your house next week, and you say, glory to God! I said, that's a crazy man. 
<laughs> but if it happens and they didn't take the house, I said, boy, pray for me. I got some problems too. Okay? You know how to get to God. But he says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing this is why you can't endure joy, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, but lacking nothing. So God allows all of this so that you know how to wait. There is a song, I, I, it says, uh, I play it sometimes when I come to prayer, uh, pray in the morning, uh, how difficult the real trouble is in the waiting. When I'm going through stuff, I like that song a lot. God, it's really hard, I'm waiting. <laughs> it's, we have to wait because we need to be patient. God is doing something. So when God is asking us to be patient and not lose heart, what he's saying is, give me time to finish what I'm doing and don't change your mind. Amen? So he gets the trials there because he's wanting to promote you and the trials trains you in patience because he's looking way into your future for something greater than what he's even working at this time and he wants to establish patience in you so that he will be able to accomplish what he is planning way ahead of your life that will be really great. And if you don't know how to be patient, you lose it. So count it all joy because God wants to put this great tool in your life called patience. Because he walked through that tool to help you arrive at your destiny. Amen? We're going somewhere. Amen? Because God is with us. Jesus is with us. And he's helping us. You know, I like to read Isaiah 54. This is a very comforting scripture uh, to me. Because he tells me when God swears about something, he means what he's saying. Amen? And I, all I have to do is believe that he is doing that for me. It's like the story of uh, the guy I shared this year before. Hey, stay where I put you on. <laughs> it's like the story of uh, uh, the, your, the man who was dying in the uh, hills of California. And uh, he had never heard um, John 3.16. And he heard this Christian woman trying to minister to, to, to him, just, you know, quoted the scriptures. And he opened his eyes. He had his eyes closed. He was waiting for death to come. And he said, is that in the Bible? She said, yes. He said, does that mean me? She said, sure. means you. And he closed his eyes again and meditated on that and opened his eyes again and said, has he said anything more? I want to hear something more. Anything else? And she uh, quoted uh, or read from uh, John chapter 1, as many as received him, he gives the right to become sons of God. And she added, he's speaking to you. And the guy says, good. I accept him. I'm satisfied. When God speaks the word, he's speaking to you. Many times we try to exclude ourselves, and that's what the enemy wants. He wants you to exclude yourself so that you cannot reap the benefit of the word. 
the words that God, Jesus speaks, they are spirit and they are life. And they do work in us if we will accept them. And all God is asking, believe the word. You know, in Isaiah chapter 54, verse 9, it says, For this is like the waters of Noah to me. For as I have sworn that the waters of Noah will no longer cover the earth, so have I sworn that I will not be angry with you. Does that mean me? Is he speaking to me? Does he mean what he's saying? God said, I have sworn I will not be angry with you. They didn't say he won't be grieved with you. Okay? But angry, that's a different thing. We may do things that grieve him. Okay? But he's not angry at us. He has sworn he won't be angry with you, nor rebuke you. For the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from you. Nor shall my, I go back to that word, covenant of peace be removed. It's always going to be there. It's always going to be there. That's God who has mercy on you. Another thing that we do, um, when things go bad and things are not working right, we start looking at different things and we we move. You know what it is? We move. You find something to blame and you move from, from the thing. It's my wife that's the problem. So I need a divorce. It's going to be well. Or it's my husband that's the problem. Or it's the country or the state or the church. So I got to change church. If I change church... Things will be well with me. So I, I leave all my troubles behind. Well, I tell you what, I've read stories about people who changed, they moved, because what God wants you, if he allows you to be going through something, he wants you to stay where you are till you're delivered. You work it out. You don't move. You may run from place to place. Well, God may walk with it when you are a babe in Christ, but once you are mature, he's wanting to do something. He allowed that trial. You can run to being here and you're coming back. Because God wants you to take care of it, deal with it. Stand up in faith. You know, I, I was going through a lot of difficulties when I was in uh, my country. And uh, spiritually. And uh, when I read from Christian articles and all of that, I'll read in America where people prophesy and these great miracles. I mean, you got Oral Roberts, right? Kenneth Hagen. I read about all of those guys and all these great things that God was doing through them. And all Shambach, these great ministers. I was sure as soon as I stepped into America, all my troubles would disappear. As soon as I get in, 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 in that plane, I mean, it's over for me. I mean, I go seek T.L. Osborne. I mean, I actually went to T.L. Osborne Foundation in Tulsa. After I got here, maybe a year later, I was back there. Just me see the guy and help him. he helped me with all my troubles. You know, I was shocked. I, I paid uh, for my ticket to get in the plane, right? And my troubles without tickets, they got in the plane with me. And I arrived with the U in the U.S. without going, into, uh, going through immigration. They came in with me. 
and stayed with me. Nothing changed. I had to deal with the same problems I was dealing with back home. Just moving may not help the situation. You may have to stay where God wants you to stay. You hear from God and stay still. Be still, the Bible says, and know. Don't run back and forth. Stay with God. Stay with God. Handle that problem. Whatever it is, that trial, take it to God. Stay where you are and say, God, you do it here and you'll be okay. And God will do it. I know you heard about the man who has the largest uh, church structure in the world. He's in Nigeria. I don't know if you know that. But the largest church structure where people gather to worship God is in Nigeria. It was 50,000 people in one service. 50,000 people in the auditorium in one service. I think it was in Pastor Kendall's office I found out for the first time that the largest church structure is in Nigeria, my country. I said, Pastor, tell me. I haven't heard about that before. Yeah, he's in Nigeria. But you know what that guy said? He said, usually they want to build something. They're thinking, I'm going to contact Shambok. I'm going to contact Oral Roberts. I'm going to contact these guys, and they're going to bring the money. He told God, if you don't bring the money in this country, there's not much is going to be done. You want to build, get the money from this third world country, and then we'll build it. I don't want any penny coming from, from the United States, England, or anywhere. Bring it, give me the billions to build this structure right here billions of naira. Guess what? The structure is there. The structure is there. Many times we move and we are doing our own things thinking this is the right thing to do but God's not in it. We just need to stay where God asks us to stay. Listen to him and see what he'll do for us. Amen? So don't move unless God tells you to move. You remember the story of Isaac? Isaac was in the land and there was farming. And he wanted to go to Egypt. And God said, stay in that place where you got farming. Stay right there. Don't go. Stay where you are. And let me show you what I can do. Amen? But generally what people do is, maybe I can change the environment. I'll go up north. And my troubles will be over. Believe me, your troubles will get in the car or the plane with you and they go, you're going with that trouble. You got to face it. Amen? So moving is never a solution. If you want to move, move towards God. Amen? And let God take care of the situation for you. Now, another thing that we do is we complain. Um, I believe that God handles, when you complain to him, he handles it very well and with a lot of mercy and a lot of grace for you, especially when you are really troubled. Now, you have to watch how far you go with that. That's, there's, a mo there's moderation with that. God can walk with you complaining to him out of faith in him. You remember Gideon, if God be for us, if God is with me, where, where are all these miracles we heard about? He wasn't going to take, God is with us. I don't want to hear that. I need to see something. That's faith. But when you complain out of self-pity, 
<laughs> and and you're crying and it's good to cry before God we'll talk about that that's important because your tears just like he said of Hezekiah have seen your tears it's okay to cry before God it's okay, okay to lay your complaints before him like Elijah uh, Hezekiah did and God will respond but the complaint that's born out of unbelief he doesn't tolerate it that's the difference here the one that says, God, you promised me this. What is going on? Why is this and why is that? That's okay. But the one that is, woe is me, nothing is happening. You, Pastor, you said God would do this, but uh, I don't know if God really does that. And all of that. That's, that's coming out of unbelief. And God doesn't like those type of things at all. Things will really go bad for you if you go that way. Uh, that's just the way it goes. It's better that you don't speak at all if things are going in your head. And the, the worst thing you can do is call somebody and talk to them about what you're thinking in that negative route. You started something that could destroy you. You don't want to go that route. And God doesn't like it at all. Now, if you read in the story um, in, in uh, Exodus, when they got to the place called Mara, where the water was bitter, they complained. They said, you brought us to the wilderness, it's the same kind of thing, to destroy us. We have no water to drink. That was probably, they just left uh, Egypt. They complained in this situation, but God was very merciful uh, with them in this complaint. In fact, later he was telling them he made a covenant with them. He turned the water to be sweet and then made a covenant of healing with them. Isn't it beautiful? But later as they complained, God got tired of it. And he was going to, he told Moses, just get out of the way, I'll kill them all. Just get out of the way, I can't handle them. Now, if you read in, uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, how bad this can, I mean, he really made God, this, if, if it's anything that makes God mad, this thing does. When you complain out of unbelief, it really makes God mad. He just doesn't like it. Because it tells us in 1 Corinthians 10 that all of them went through the Red Sea, were baptized unto Moses. They all ate the same spiritual uh, meat, that's manna. And they drank the same spiritual drink. That's the water that came from the rock. But then he tells us with all, with many of them, God was not pleased. Even though he was taking care of them and giving them spiritual drink and giving them spiritual meat, food, and had the clouds to be around them. And they were all baptized in the Red Sea unto Moses. He says, with many of them, God was not pleased. And with those that he was not pleased, he just destroyed all of them in the wilderness. And he tells us this in, in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 5, but with more, uh, most of them, most, that's horrible, most of them, God was not well pleased. It's just not like he wasn't pleased. He was not well pleased with them. For their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. And then if you read in verse 10, it says, it was, well, uh, Paul went into the different things that they did. And in verse 10, it says, No complain, as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. So when you complain that with the way they did in unbelief, 
fighting their leader because he was responsible and fighting God. God says, okay, <laughs> I heard it. And the, the great key one was, the, when, was when they went into the land and they spied the land and they came back and said, there were giants in the land, we can take the land. And then they cried all night complaining. And God said, those words that I've heard from your mouth that you will die in the wilderness, that's exactly what I'm going to give you. All of you will die in the wilderness. Only the little ones that didn't say anything, I'll save them. They will get into the, pro this promised land and take care of the giants that you are afraid of. We ought not to be afraid of the giants. If they are there, <laughs> they are there for a purpose, to be taken down. Amen? To be taken down. The giants in your life are there for you to take down. Don't complain about them. Thank God for those difficulties that the enemy is bringing your way because God wants to give you great success. I have two more, but I'm going to quit quickly. Uh, one thing that you don't want to do, take matters into your hand and try to work it out in unrighteous ways because you hurt yourself really bad. You can't be in a hurry and do something that's wrong just to be successful because you beat God with it too long. That was the problem with Saul. Saul had that problem and it cost him his life. Saul couldn't wait. You know, Saul couldn't wait. God gives him a commandment, he wouldn't wait. God, he was in a place where he was supposed to do some fighting. And Samuel had given him a word. I'm going to come and we're going to have a sacrifice. As a king, he was not supposed to do sacrifice. That's not his job. But he wouldn't. The people were scattering away from him. And then you watch when things are, when people are turning against you, don't do something to help yourself. Don't take matters into your hands. Just stay where God wants you to stay or where he asked you to stay. Don't offer false fire. You just let God be. When he said, Sam, tell Samuel, I can't wait. The people are going away from me, and the Philistines are very close by. They'll come because everyone is scattering. So I forced myself, he said, to, to do the sacrifice. Well, you're not supposed to do it. The law says you can't do it. He's saying to do it. And God was clear. And through Samuel, he said, because you've done this, the kingdom of God right now. Many of us believe that it was when Paul, uh, Saul went to uh, the Amalekites. No. God had already said this long before he went to the Amalekites. That was this, it was this, uh, in this occasion that God said, I found a man after my own heart. Talking about David. Because he made that sacrifice. So you don't want to take things into your hand. Another thing. Before Saul's death, Saul was trying to hear from God. First Samuel, third, uh, um, I believe it was 28. He was trying to hear from God. And he called all these people, bring this uh, stuff and let's hear from God. And nothing was happening. And so he, he took things into his hands. He went, I'm going to go to the witch of Endor. She'll talk to me. Well, he knew. He was the one that drove the man of town. And if you read in uh, Chronicles, he died. The, one of the reasons Saul died is because he went to that woman. Read it. 
the Bible says, along with other disobedience he had in his life, this one thing that he did, taking matters into his hand because he wanted to hear from God and God was not willing to speak to him. Well, just lay there and cry out to God. If you let me die here, I'm not going to fight until I hear from you, just like Ezekiah did. And I'm sure God would do something. And he didn't do that. He took matters into his hand. He was smart. So he's going to hear something from God regardless. You talk to me, God, whether you like it or not. He destroyed himself. I was shocked when I read in Chronicles that he died for this one reason as well. That he went to talk to this witch. So you don't take matters into your hands. When you're going through, when nothing makes sense, it doesn't make sense. You just wait. Because God is working on something. It's beyond you. If it was in your level, you'll understand it. It's beyond you. That's why you don't. And it doesn't make sense. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Don't quit doing the things that you're doing. If you were doing right, don't change anything that you're doing. If you were doing what's good, intensify it at that point. Amen? Intensify it. Even if it hurts you, intensify it. Because your day of deliverance is really close at the corner. Don't give up. Don't respond to the naysayers. Just trust your God. And he'll come through for you. Amen? Stand up with me tonight. We want to encourage ourselves. I don't know what you're going through in your life. And I'm sure every one of us is going through something. Possibly something that doesn't make sense. You know, you thought it was going to be this way and now it's not working that way. Well, maybe that's the way you thought is not the way God wants. But why don't relax and let God do his own thing. But believe him for the best. Amen? Because the best is on his way. A day is uh, like a thousand years in God's hands. And a thousand years is like one day. When God is ready, a thousand years is too long. <laughs> uh, I mean, a day is too long. It's, in his mind, it's like a thousand years. That's one day. He's ready to do it. He's done. Amen? Let's lift our hands up to the Lord tonight. And I need you to just thank him for whatever you're going through that doesn't make sense to you right now. Because by and by, there is coming a day when everything, the whole pieces of the puzzle, every one of them will fall in their right place. And then you'll say, God, now I understand. I understand. He is a big God. He is such a loving God. He's such a glorious God. He loves us dearly. You are loved by Him. He's for you. Will never be against you. What's happening is for your good. Even if Satan is the one behind it, it's for your good. It's for your promotion. God will th turn what the enemy meant for evil to something that will give glory to His name. Just stay where you are. Trust in Him. And things will change for the better, for the best in your life. Father, we thank you. We serve a living God. We serve a caring God. We serve a loving God, full of loving kindness. And you've promised you'll never forsake us. You'll never leave us. We love you, God. God. 
and we know that you are truly at work in our lives and you are doing great things behind the scene we can see them these things are happening in the spirit realm and we will no doubt we will experience them in the natural no matter how long it takes we know our god is with us and we're so grateful what a glorious god we have how we praise your name O oh god how we trust you O oh god because of the blood that was shared and because of the covenant that we have with you it's a new covenant with greater promises and we thank you for those these things oh god we thank you be with us we are your people be with your people tonight let them experience your grace tonight as they go to sleep give them visions of heaven oh god give them visions of deliverance and songs of deliverance in their heart even in their dreams speak to them of great things ahead as you have planned we thank you father we give you praise tonight amen god bless you